What's up, guys? Welcome back to another Sport Universe podcast. It's me, Brian, doing it by myself this week. Busy schedule, so figured I'd pick the best time to get it done. And this was the best time. So I'm recording on, on Wednesday at 7 o'clock. Hopefully we'll have this out by the end of the day, but let's just get right into it. Um, I want to talk about the NFL playoffs. Obviously, it's Wednesday, so I don't think it makes the most sense to go through each of the games that were played and kind of talk about each, and I more want to focus on the playoffs and my predictions. Um, just starting off with the AFC, it's really, I mean, most people are saying Chiefs and Bills, and I'd be, it would be very hard for me not to say that. Obviously, in the playoffs we saw last year with the Titans, teams can get hot at the right time, and that could definitely be a possibility with the teams that are in the AFC. You could see the Browns possibly doing something like that, the Ravens and the Titans. Titans, I mean, are going to be a threat like they were last year. I think the Ravens are coming into the playoffs on a hot streak for sure. So it'll be very interesting. I think the Chiefs and the Bills, you it would be there's no reason to think they wouldn't be able to one of those teams make the Super Bowl and have a very good chance of winning that Super Bowl. Um on the NFC side of things, uh looking at the teams, obviously Packers number one, um a few teams snuck in there with the uh Reds sorry, the Washington football team and the Chicago Bears. They kind of backed their way into the playoffs and I mean it's nothing to be ashamed of. Obviously, there's things that happen and you get and you get luck sent your way and that's what happens in sports and they got lucky. Um, I'm going to obviously talk about the whole Philadelphia Eagles situation, um, but let me just go through all these situations first. If we're looking at each of the matchups, obviously the Packers have a bye. The Saints and the Bears, I, I mean, if the only way that the Bears have a shot in this game is if Drew Brees can't play up to his capable level. Obviously, he says he's had his injuries this year. If they get a big sack on him and he's somewhat hurt, the Bears definitely have a chance. Um, but I think you got to go with Saints all the way for that, that that game. Seahawks and Rams. Ever since the Rams lost to the Jets, also because I'm a Jets fan, I am against the Rams and don't think that they really have a shot to do much. If you lose to the Jets in the regular season, especially this year, it's hard for me to have faith in you in the playoffs. And this, they're going up. They're going against Russell Wilson, who obviously is one of the clutchest players in the league right now and has shown time and time again that in the playoffs he can play very well. Um, so I'm going to go with the Seahawks in that. Washington Buccaneers, um, I mean, you got a Tom Brady-led team versus the Redskins, who I think are 6-10. and 10, um, And you, there's no way that I'm going to pick the Redskins to somehow beat out the Buccaneers, even though the Redskins did win the NFL East, the, sorry, um, the NFC East. I mean, the Buccaneers, they have Tom Brady. They're a much better team. Like I said, Washington, the Washington football team backed their way into the playoffs, so there's not much that gives me faith in that team. Um, on the AFC side of things, the Chiefs obviously have the bye. Then you have the Bills and the Colts. I think the Colts will be an interesting team for the Bills to play. Um, I think... In the AFC, there's a lot of, like I said, there's a lot of interesting teams that could put up a fight against these bigger teams like the Chiefs and the Bills. The whole AFC has had a lot of good teams this season. Um, so I think the Colts will put, put up a fight, but I think the Bills are going to end up winning. The Browns and the Steelers are probably one of the more exciting games this week just because of the storylines. Um, Browns making the playoffs for the first time in a zillion years. Um, going up against the Steelers, who were an undefeated team up until week 12. And then kind of fell off. Um, so that'll be interesting. I am rooting for the Browns because, I mean, 
how can you root against a team that's been a team, I mean, fans that have been rooting for a team that has absolutely been trashed for so many years. I mean, I feel for them being a Jets fan, being a Mets fan. So I'm rooting for the Browns. I think the Browns will end up pulling it out. I think they have a lot of firepower right now. They're going in on a hot streak, um, and it should be very exciting. Obviously, they just played in weeks, uh, Week 17, so they, they're familiar. Obviously, they are division opponents, so they know each other. But, I mean, I think the Browns will end up taking that one. The Titans and the Ravens, this is, this is another interesting matchup. I mean, the Titans in the playoffs have been outstanding, but the Titans in the regular season were kind of um, very fickle in how they played. They were sometimes really good, then they were bad, as fickle is what that means. Um, it's just, I, I don't really have a lot of faith in the Titans in going into the season. Obviously, everyone was riding the Titans because of what they were able to do um, the past uh, last year's playoffs, and Ryan Tannehill has played really well this season, so has Derrick Henry. Um, so if they can get those Derrick Henry specifically going, um, they're hard to beat. But I think the Ravens are coming into this uh, playoffs with a, with a very different mindset than they were last year when last year they were coming in riding so high, seemed like a team that couldn't be beat, and Lamar Jackson faded when it came to primetime games, primetime game in the playoffs. Um, and I think this season they're kind of riding under the radar, which is probably perfect for Lamar Jackson, as we've seen. And I think... Um, He'll definitely put on a show, and I think we'll be able to beat the Titans. Um, going into some of the headlines from last week, obviously we have the Eagles and Redskins debacle. So my thoughts on this, I've, I've gone back and forth, um, but I think my final thoughts on it are that, listen, the Giants were only won six games, and all the Giants fans that are upset about the Eagles possibly tanking and ruining the integrity of the game. Um, you don't deserve to make the playoffs at six games. I know that's with six wins. I know that's how the division ended up, and there's teams that make runs even if they have a bad record, and there's been past teams that have done su- such of those things, and they go down in history because it's as Super Bowl champions or teams that were good in the playoffs. Um, but I, I can't I, – you, you don't have a, bi- a, a very big argument if you're – if you're saying that a team that had six wins deserves to be in the playoffs because another team supposedly tanked. If you're a team that's a playoff team, you should be able to control your own destiny. Um, and they didn't. They were they wanted a lot of other people. They needed a lot of other people to possibly make the playoffs. And the Eagles decided to go with Nick Sudfeld, which is a definitely interesting decision. It was said before the game that um, Doug Peterson wanted to give Sudfeld a chance to play. And going down to the wire, obviously they were down by three. Um, and there wasn't a lot of time left for Nick Sudfeld to go into the game. There's no reason for the Eagles to try and win that game, if you're being honest. And we've talked about for years that tanking is definitely a, somewhat of a smart strategy. It doesn't ruin the integrity of the game, but you're you go into seasons based off these rules and if you can possibly get around these rules and make your team better that's what's going to happen and I know there's a lot of other concerns in regards to the players on that team and what they were playing for future contracts and things like that but it is what it is I I I kind of understand where they're coming from that it was a very suspicious move but if you're a team that wants to be in the playoffs you shouldn't have to you shouldn't only have six wins. If you had eight wins, if you were a team like the Dolphins that had ten wins and missed miss the playoffs, then you'd have more of an argument. But 
you're a team that had six wins. So not much of an argument there, in my opinion. Um, next thing I want to talk about, uh, the Jets dra- draft pick. Obviously, I'm a Jets fan, so I've been following the situation more closely than other teams. Um, the Jets are in a situation where they have a choice to make. Obviously, they don't have the first overall pick anymore. Um, and they have a choice to make between Justin Fields and Sam Darnold, and Justin Fields had that great uh, that great game against Clemson. Um, put on a show for sure. Definitely increased his draft stock tremendously. Um, for me, at least, made a lot of Jets fans very optimistic about a Justin Fields led led team in the future. But it's still a debate if they should stick with just if they should go with Justin Fields or stick with Sam Darnold. It's going to be a debate for a while. Um, we'll have to see how Justin Fields play plays against Alabama. If he puts on another show, I think the debate become the side of the debate where you say that you want to go with Sam Darnold becomes much more weak compared to possibly going with Justin Fields. Uh, in my opinion, I'm done with Sam Darnold. I've been saying that for a while. I think that the time has passed. I don't think he's proven any reason for the Jets to build around him. Um, how I kind of look at things is you don't build around a player that's done literally there's literally no reason to believe that he's going to get any better when you have the chance to draft someone like Justin Fields obviously it's not Trevor Lawrence but Justin Fields definitely has the possibility to become a good quarterback and we've seen time and time again players that don't aren't supposed to be good quarterbacks come out of the draft and play outstanding um I mean I've said it over and over again but like Patrick Mahomes Tom Brady and everyone talks about them they weren't supposed to be some great quarterbacks Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the league right now Tom Brady probably goes down as one of the as the best quarterback of all time which is hard for me to say but it's definitely he's definitely up there and probably is number one um going away from football actually if I want to make my Super Bowl predictions I'm just looking at this now it just came to my mind that I should probably do that um I mean the obvious choice is to go either Chiefs Bills versus like the Packers but I like to have fun with these things so I'm gonna go um Chiefs versus, mm, do I think that, yeah, I think the Chiefs are going to make the, I think the Bills definitely have a chance, but I'm going to go with Chiefs, Seahawks, I think that would be an interesting thing, I think Russell Wilson proves himself again in the playoffs, like he always does, um, but that prediction could change, this just came into my mind right now, but going off of football, I want to talk a little, a little bit about baseball, there wasn't a lot of news this week, we covered all the Padres moves last week, which has been the major things that have happened, um, but there's a lot of Mets stuff that I want to cover. Obviously, like I say over and over again, I'm a Mets fan, so I know a lot All about right, this. So stuff. the Mets, um, where I'm going to start, Tamayuki Sugano. Um, the reports are now that the Mets are out on him. He's a 31-year-old pitcher from Japan. He was a superstar in Japan. Uh, he's a pitcher. Um, and the Mets need pitching. And what it seems like now that the Mets are out on, on Sugano, and my opinion on it, it doesn't make sense. Um I'll get into each of these parts, but let me just give like a quick context. It doesn't make sense. It seems like a Jeff Wilpon type of move. Um, and it kind of is frustrating to me that they didn't go after him like I think they should have. So let me just go into each of those points. First off, um, the, Met, the Mets need more pitching. Looking at their rotation, you got Jacob DeGrom, Marcus Stroman, David Peterson, probably Seth Lugo will be in there as well. And then someone, I mean, I want Seth Lugo in the bullpen. I think that's where he plays best. So 
and real realistically, they need a three and four because they need to wait till June, July for Noah Syndergaard to be back. You don't know what Noah Syndergaard's going to be like when he comes back, especially in the beginning. Um, so they really need a three and four pitcher. Um, I think Sugano would have been a, a great addition. Yeah, we don't know if his skills would have transferred over that well. That would be a risk for sure. But all reports are that he wanted like $12 million a year. And I think signing someone like Sugano for $12 million a year compared to signing other possible Mets targets like Odorizzi, which I'll get into soon. And I don't know. It's like he was he's such a great option compared to those players. Jake Odorizzi is going to be asking for probably like 13 to 15 million a year or something like that. And Sugano is 31, has good statistics, at least in Japan, and it's possible that his talents would transfer over. And if they did transfer over, he would have he would be very similar to Masahiro Tanaka, at least for the first couple of years when he was with the Yankees. And that Masahiro Tanaka was their number one, was their ace for the Yankees, and he would spot in as the number three pitcher and then the number four pitcher when Noah Syndergaard came in. So I don't really understand why the Mets are now out on him and why I think it becomes a Wilpon type of move is that back when the Wilpons had ownership, there were the Mets rumors and all the beat reporters and things like that were constantly saying like, oh, the Mets are in on this guy. They've had contact with him. They look interest, interested, things like that. And then it ends up being... You know, we're out on him. We have focuses other way, other places. And that's literally what happened with this move. And that said, they have focuses other, where, other places. They don't think Sugano would have made sense for them, things like that. And I think he was a, would have been a really good addition to the Mets. And it seems like another situation where the Mets are in on all these free agents and then they don't pull the trigger. And I don't want to, like, say, oh, Steve Cohen's being cheap. But, I mean... So far this offseason, not to say that they won't have a good offseason, but so far this offseason, and I know the free agent cycle has been pretty slow or very slow, it seems like there's no reason for me to believe that Steve Cohen is going to be different than what the Wilpons were. I mean, there's also no reason for me to... There's some reason, obviously not going after Sugano and things like that, for me to believe that Steve Cohen won't... I don't I forgot what I said first. But basically what I'm trying to say is there's... No evidence to lead me to believe that um, why, that Steve Cohen won't do similar things to what the Wilpons will do. And that's a really frustrating thing. I want them to go after free agents. And if George Springer wants a little extra money, Steve Cohen has that type of money. And I know he's trying to be smart about things. But you're talking about a franchise that have had fans that for years have been dealing with one of the cheapest owners in baseball, not making any moves, being in a big market, expecting things to happen going up against the New York Yankees who constantly are in the cycle of getting free agents, trading for players, not worrying about the money that they had to spend to get these players. And if you're a big market team and if your owner has $14 billion, you shouldn't worry that much about the cost that these players will have because you should be willing to go over the luxury tax. Um, You should be able to be willing to take on that burden, whatever burden it is, especially if you have $14 billion to spend and I mean, look, I, I still have faith that that'll change. But if you if the Mets come out of this offseason not having someone like George Springer on your team, then I'll be really upset because George Springer is the perfect player that the Mets need. It's not like some great first baseman that comes on the market where they the Mets obviously have so many good first basemans. It's not like they 
don't need it's not like they need a first baseman but for a center fielder the Mets have needed an offensive and defensive center fielder for years George Springer comes on the market at the perfect time where they get a new owner who has so much money compared to other teams that have been hurt by the COVID and all those things it's just the perfect opportunity so if it comes out of this offseason and they don't have George Springer then I think the concerns really start which would be a bummer because all these Mets fans were so excited for Steve Cohen to come in including me. And if it ends up being that way, that'll be a really hard pill to swallow. Um, I kind of don't want to keep focusing on the Mets because it isn't only a Mets podcast. Um, Other baseball news, uh, DJ LeMahieu and the Dodgers. The Dodgers seem to be in on everyone. I still don't know how they have all this money to spend. I haven't looked at the economics of them, but I have a feeling that they're somewhat close to the luxury tax, but I don't know. Um, they just are in on everyone. Brad Hand, DJ LeMahieu, which would be, if they get DJ LeMahieu, their lineup is incredible. Even though it's already incredible, it would be insane. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot of that stuff going on. It's just really rumors this week. Nothing significant has happened. Even though Sugano, I think he needs to decide by the 7th, and if he doesn't, he goes back to Japan. I'm pretty sure that's how that works. Um, so that's it for baseball. I want to talk about the NBA, and then I think that wraps up this week's podcast. So... In terms of the NBA storylines, um, the Knicks are playing very good basketball. They have a game against the Jazz in literally seven seventeen, so like twenty three minutes. Um, they have a game against the Jazz. They're both four and three. The Knicks are exceeding expectations by a long shot. Julius Randle is playing outstanding. Young players like R.J. Barrett are just, I mean, showing Knicks fans that they have an actual talent on this team um him and Julius Randle have been great to watch Mitchell Robinson has played really well um Emmanuel Quigley has come back from his little injury and has been a great spark for the Knicks and are, is continuing to sh- possibly show that he was probably one of the best steals of the draft this, this season obviously it's the beginning of the season so you can't really say that but he seems like he could be a really big steal for the Knicks um not to mention players like Obi Toppin have played one, one game, and he was expected to be really good. So there's still that coming at some point soon. I don't know when the re-evalu- reevaluation is or if it already happened, but there hasn't been much news on him. Um, and not to mention Alec Burks has been out these past few games that they've won, and Alex Burks was a huge, Alec Burks was a huge part of the Knicks' um, first couple games. So there's a lot to look forward to with the Knicks. Um, really exciting basketball. It's just nice to see them playing well on defense. And one of the things that I, I really like that Tom Thibodeau does is constantly calls timeouts when the Knicks have a lack of de- like a bad defensive possession. He calls a timeout right away. And I think that's really nice to see, especially with young players. You need to get it in your mind that you need to play really good defense. And, I mean, it's been proving well. They've been beating teams that they shouldn't be beating at this point. Um, on the other side of New York, the Nets um, had a – a stellar start to the season, obviously. Their first two games were outstanding. They absolutely demolished their opponents. But after that, it's been kind of an interesting situation for the Nets. Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant seem to play really well together. And not to say they don't have good stats right now, but they're not doing things that you would expect a Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving to do. I was watching the game, I think it was against the Hornets, where Kevin Durant missed a pretty easy buzzer beater and those are things that he always would do in past times um and then 
I think a game a couple of days ago, both Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant had basically buzzer beater attempts. It was like three seconds left and they both missed. And that's rough to see, I'm sure, for Nets fans that their two stars couldn't do that. And the fact that they're losing games that they should be winning with who they have on that team um, is probably very frustrating. I'm happy because I'm a Knicks fan. Um, and they, I think, have the same record or the Nets are 4-4, four and 3-4, four, and four, something like that. Um, so the fact that the Knicks have a better record or the same record as them is very nice to see. Um, and Knicks Twitter after the game against, um, who they, they just play after their last game, Knicks Twitter was, I mean, going off about how well they played. Oh, they played the Hawks. We're going off against how, about how well they played that they don't need stars. And I don't know if that's true, but I mean, it's just nice to see them playing well. Uh, the last thing I want to talk about, not really much to say, but Steph, Cor- Steph Curry the other day scored 62 points. And all that I really want to talk about here is it's just nice to see Steph Curry um, playing like old Steph Curry. Not to say he hasn't been playing well this season, but I mean, for all the times that I was mad that Steph Curry could just go out when he was against the Knicks and just like shoot from half court and make every shot. While I was mad with that, it was fun to have Steph Curry in the league making crazy shots when it wasn't against the Knicks. And it's nice to see that he still has that ability and will probably continue to have that ability. Just, I hope, not against the Knicks. Um, But yeah, I think that wraps up this week's podcast. Thanks for listening. Obviously, it's only me this time. Um, Everyone's busy, things like that. But a lot of interesting sports stuff next week will definitely be interesting with the NFL playoffs. week one being done of the NFL playoffs. Um, so other than that, thanks for listening. If you have any questions, comments, I guess you can DM us. Um, but other than that, if you have any interest writing or editing articles or anywhere, any other way you think you could help contact the sport universe, 2019 at gmail.com. And thanks for listening.